Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. You've just landed in the Sin Bin with your hosts, Paul Rogers. You went to Princeton and we're all Eastern, which you, Ned? That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. And Otto Rogers. You <laughs> what a life. See ya. Yeah. All right, let's show them what we got, guys. Okay. Right. Yeah. Get out there on the ice and let them know you're there. Uh, my Seattle Sin Bin. Uh, I want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Seattle Sin Bin. Um, I'm your host, Paul Rogers, and uh, as as mentioned in the in the intro, uh, my co-host is Otto Rogers. Unfortunately, Otto's not with me uh, just yet. Uh, he may be able to drop in a little bit later, uh, but but uh, I may be going solo tonight. So. Um, I'm hoping that he's able to jump on with us, and we'll just see how it goes. But we've got a good show for you tonight, regardless. Um, in a little bit, in about 10, 15 minutes, uh, we're going to talk to Mr. Josh Cooper, and he is on staff over at Puck Daddy. And we're going to talk about the NHL. We're going to talk about expansion. We're going to talk about relocation uh, and just whatever, what the heck is going on with the NHL. And how big, how good of a shot does Seattle have at landing it someday? And so we're going to talk to Josh Cooper of Puck Daddy about that. And then I'm, I'm really excited about the, the next one as well. Uh, later in the show, we're going to talk to a young lady named Debbie Chin. And Debbie Chin is a goalie for the Washington Huskies uh, Hockey Club. And she actually started a game earlier this season. She was the first female goalie to start a game for the Washington Huskies ever. And she actually won the game as the goalie. So uh, we're going to talk to her about, um, you know, you know what it's like for a, a for a woman to play in a in a sport that always that's always traditionally been considered a male sport. Uh, what kind of barriers she's run into, uh, what her aspirations are for the future, and things like that. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to that conversation. I'm looking forward to talking talking to her because. I, I find people that break barriers to be very interesting, and uh, I think that's going to be great. Um, to start off the show, <clears throat> um, I'm going to talk a little bit about an article today that Jeff Baker wrote, um, and actually uh, Chris Daniels wrote an article yesterday that, that kind of ties into this yesterday, and Daniels had reported yesterday that uh, Ray Bartizek was late on a payment to the city of Tequila, and that payment is to compensate the city for the environmental the environmental reviews that are going on in Tequila. And um, today, Jeff Baker uh, reported this reporting of his own on it, and um, it, it's sounding like basically, um, and I encourage you guys to read to read the story, but it sounds like Tequila might be on life support at the moment. Um, and let's see, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit from the story. Uh, Connecticut, Invis- uh, Connecticut, Connecticut investment baker Ray Bartizek, who is spearheading from the project, has until month's end to extend options to build on key parcels of land 
reserved for the arena. Uh, Bartizak paid for short-term extensions on those parcels in October and November, but indicated Monday that Monday night that he might not make additional payments. And then he quotes Bartizak. He says, new extension dates are the issue now, he wrote via text message, adding it's all or nothing, at least for Tequila and anything that has to do with me. Um, and so basically, and let me read one more paragraph for you. And he says that was a reference to his being able to secure, secure a new primary investor in time to commit further option extensions on the land. Bartizak has said his Bartizak has said his investors his his previous investor previous investor pulled out in July, scuttling his plans to apply for an NHL expansion team. Um, and so basically, what it sounds like. And I, I would say that uh, the Chris Daniels report from yesterday kind of jives with this as well. It sounds like this is it for Ray Bartizek. Um We have a couple months left in December, and it, it, it sounds like unless he's able to secure that whale, to secure that uh, that that uh, primary investor uh, to fund his arena and allow him to go for an NHL team. It sounds like if that can't get done by the end of this month that Ray Bartizek might bow out and Tequila will essentially be over. And, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, the last two weeks of December uh, seemed like a challenging time to get investors for something. You've got the Christmas holiday. You've got New Year's. Uh, you've got businessmen spending more time with their family than normal. Uh, you've got men going on vacation. Um, so if he if he's been unable to... Uh, secure that primary investor, land that primary investor up till this point. Um, what what's to make me believe that he can secure it in the last two weeks of the, of the year when people are away on holiday? Uh, it just doesn't seem um, very realistic at this point. And so while the Tequila project is not dead, it's certainly on life support. It's certainly on vapors and fumes. Um, and it's really disappointing because I, I like having um, competition. I like having uh, multiple projects going at once. Um, I, I like the idea. I, I mean, all along I've liked the idea of the Tequila Arena because uh, built into it, since it's all privately financed or would have been, um, that it would have been uh, buildable with just an NHL franchise. And I, I always felt that would have made it easier to get a team. Um, and it, it appears that that option is dissipating. And, you know, while we're on the subject, Key Arena, uh, I never had any faith in the ability to remodel Key Arena and get a team. Um, Chris Daniels reported yesterday that the in an NHL email exchange he, that he had with the league, uh, the NHL emailed him that they have zero interest in Key Arena as a long-term solution. And so we can talk all we want about spending $285 million, million to renovate Key Arena. Um, we can talk all we want about that, but the, facts and the fact of the matter is this. There's no investor willing to do it right now. Uh, MT Phoenix was a joke. Um, they, they, you know, they really were just uh, blowing smoke in the air, I feel. Um, so there's no primary investor willing to give it a go right now. Um, and even if we, even if there was, uh, the NHL is not interested in that location. And so, you know, you know, we we have to be cognizant of what the leagues want 
if we're going to build this thing, we it, it would be foolish to build an arena uh, with the knowledge that not, that one of the leagues was not willing to go there for a long-term solution. And if the you know we've heard similar things in the past about the NBA that they that they weren't willing to to look at Key Arena as a long-term solution either, um, at least not since 2008. Um, and so. The key arena option is dead, but it was never really alive. Um, the Tequila option is not quite dead, but it's getting there. Um, the Bellevue option, you know, all we hear is that, you know, people continue to kick the tires behind the scenes, but we've never had any tangible movement on that. So that leaves us back to uh, the Soto Arena and Chris Hansen's proposal. He's the only person so far that's stepped in, that's put the money down, uh, he's the only person so far that's put a proposal forward. He's the only person so far that has pushed this thing through all the way through an environmental review. Um, he's the only person so far that's really gotten anything feasible, uh, tangible done on an arena in Seattle. And so uh, it seems as though we are back to Soto Arena as the only option. Um, and, you know, if that changes, uh, great. Uh, but I, I don't think that's going to change. I think Soto is going to be it. And, you know, frankly, um, I always, you know, even though I like the options in Bellevue and I like the option in Tequila, I always felt like Soto was a better location anyway. Um, it's, it's right by the freeway. In fact, it's right at the intersection of I-90 and I-5. Um, and so what better location are you going to find? Um, it's already designed I mean, that location already handles two arenas. Um, and to me, it's a lot easier to get to than it is Seattle Center. Uh, to me, it's a lot easier to get to that than anywhere in Bellevue. And it's a lot easier to get to that than where they were talking about in Tequila. Um, would, I, would I be all for those options if they, if they surfaced again and uh, somebody wanted to put the work into it and the money into it and, and get it done? Yeah, I'd support it. Uh, frankly, if someone was willing to finance Key Arena, uh, I'd be more interested in that one as well. But if you give me the perfect scenario, if you ask me for the perfect scenario, I will tell you that it is at Soto. It's the absolute perfect location. Um, the environmental, uh, the the ERS proved it. Um, the They did traffic studies. They did environmental reviews. And even though the port will never admit it, even though the port's allies will never admit it, even though the Seattle Mariners will never admit it, the fact of the matter is that EIS found that no significant negative impacts would happen to those pro to those principles, and so that's where we are right now. Um, and you know, we'll just see where this goes. We've got an important vote coming up in January. Um, I'm hearing that there's going to be one public meeting uh, with the council uh, regarding the Occidental Street vacation. And so, you, as soon as we find that date out, we're going to let people know and encourage people to be there. Pretty soon it's going to be time to start writing letters. Pretty soon it's going to be time to start sending emails. Uh, pretty soon, soon it's going to be time to start making phone calls to your council members. Um, so I'm going to take a quick break for right now. I'm going to leave you with NPR Hockey Talk. And when we come back in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Josh Cooper of Puck Daddy. And that's how three adorable baby goats cleaned up a two-story trash heap next to I-5 in Seattle. Next, it's Hockey Talk on NPR. The time is 4 o'clock. 
listening to National Public Radio on WEPC, and it's time for Hockey Talk. I'm your host, David Anthony Suzuki Jones, and today I'm joined by my NPR colleague and rabid Blackhawks fan, Tiffany Bambera-Woodcock. Thank you for having me on the show again. It's great to be here. Let's begin by discussing the Western Conference. In your opinion, who are the best two teams in each conference and why? Well, my fandom notwithstanding, the Blackhawks are still the team to beat. They have the best core in hockey and a terrific goaltender in Corey Crawford. You also have to like the Anaheim Ducks. They've got great center depth and a ton of young defensemen. In the East, the Capitals and Rangers are the class of that conference. Count out Tampa Bay. Ah, yes. Can't count out the mighty Ning. At least that's what I hear the kids calling them these days. I asked my son the other day about catching the Ning when they came to town. He said he'd go with me to the game if I take him to a rock concert. I think he said the band's name was Mastodon, you know, like a woolly mammoth. So I said, well, hopefully you don't think I'm too much of a Mastodon to go to this show with you. I don't follow you. I can't wait to hear how that mother-son outing goes, though. Any band that uses Latin in their band name, like Mastodon, sounds like that is intelligent, thinking man's music. Like Cat Stevens. Or Pete Seeger. I know. I'm so proud of my son for inviting me to accompany him to see this group. I'm getting a message from our producer. He says... He has a snippet of Mastodon for us to hear on air so our listeners can get an idea of these musical archaeologists. Oh, yes, please. Let's hear it. out now. Not to pick on your son's musical taste, but that song should come with a trigger warning. <laughs> that audio beating reminds me of a rather unfortunate incident when I was bullied once in my ninth grade locker room. The bullies made me strip down and then it applied as icy hot to my private parts. <laughs> oh. oh, that sounds exceedingly painful. Not as painful as listening to that band. Thanks for that tip from our producer. Moving on, David. 
Let's discuss the NHL's recent decision not to vote on expansion this December. It's a bit puzzling. In the summer of 2015, expansion bids were accepted from Las Vegas and Quebec City. Many observers expected a bid from Seattle, but in the end, no group from the Emerald City put forth a bid. The league could be waiting to see if Seattle gets its act together with regards to building a new arena, or they could just be slowing their timetable down. It remains to be seen when expansion will be voted upon and whether or not one or two teams would be involved. And, of course, the question of what will happen with the Phoenix Coyotes, who are currently on shaky ground with their host city. Some curious developments in an ever-changing story. Thank you for the update. And, speaking of unsatisfying conclusions, it's time for a word from our sponsor, Viagra. Hockey fans, do you suffer from ED? Is your front line limping to a weak conclusion? Is your lack of performance in the bedroom putting your relationship in the penalty box leading to depression and anxiety? Talk to your doctor about Viagra and get your power play started. Viagra, the little blue pill with big results. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! to the Sin Bin with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! back to the Seattle Sandman, and I think my co-host is with me. Are you, are you there, Otto? I have finally made uh, my appearance. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. The yeah, you were busy being a husband and a father, right? Yes, I had uh, I had the uh, the three-month-old daughter on one hand and the uh, the five-year-old son kind of running around around me, running, running laps around me, so uh, it was a little fun. Yeah. Well, you got to get your priorities straight, Otto. That's what duct tape is for. Uh, you know what? I, I try to I try to tell tell that to my wife every day, but she says, "You know what?" No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, Otto, you're joining me just in time. I'm about to actually make a phone call here, and we're gonna see if Josh Cooper from Puck Daddy answers the phone. I don't usually dial out, so we'll see how well this goes. All right. Uh, but uh, feel free to tell a joke while I dial. Um, I, I don't think know number here. <laughs> Dead air. <laughs> Dead air. Okay, I typed the number in, and I'm pressing the dial button. And it says dialing. You hear that? Fascinating ring. Yes. All right. This is fun. It's like making a prank call. 
Right. Should I ask him if his fridge is running? <laughs> we should do this as a prank call and just go to sometime. We should. Yeah. Hello, you've reached Josh Cooper of Yahoo Sports. I can't come to the phone right now. You can please leave your name, number, and a message. I'll get back to you as soon as possible. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Well, At the tone, please well. record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Uh, Josh Cooper of Yahoo Sports. This is Paul Rogers with the Seattle Sinbin Podcast. Um, calling to get you on the phone, on the line here. Looks like we miss you, but we'll talk to you again some other time. Thanks, Josh. Well, that didn't go very well, I'll be honest with you, Otto. I think I think there's a reason why uh, radio uh, uh, shows don't uh, try to reach out to other people, try to reach out to their guests for interviews. <laughs> well, I, I did reach out to him first, just so you know. It's probably... Uh, <laughs> But you know what? Maybe we'll we'll be on his on his memory dial now, and maybe he'll call back. There you go. Yes. And if he does, yes. we'll we'll put him straight in. All right, but Otto, um, while we wait for Josh, if if by some reason, if for some by some miracle, he actually calls us back now, um, while we wait for Josh, uh, some news came out today, and I talked about it to open the show while you're gone. Uh, it sounds like Tequil is just about dead, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, you know what, Paul, it really does. I mean, <clears throat> you know, you know, according to the quote from that uh, Jeff Baker had, you know, a really good article with a lot of good quotes and stuff from Baker. Um, you know, he said he he's quoted saying uh, Ray stated that he was going to still try to, um, you know, work on the EIS process, but if he's not making the payments on the land. You need to have you need to have control of that property, or at least have some sort of control with the, with the owners with that property, so you can move forward right. with the EIS. If you don't have control of that property, then you can do whatever you want with the EIS, but it doesn't matter because the EIS is not going to move forward without having right. some, at least control over that property. So that's you know it's really disappointing to hear. Well, that, and you it know? sounds it sounds like it sounds like he has till the end of the month to accomplish that. But yeah. I just get the feeling, I mean, if he hasn't been able to land that investor before now, yeah. how's he going to do it in the last two two weeks of the year, which involves Christmas week and New Year's week? You know, it's just going yeah. to be really hard. Yeah, I mean, the business world kind of, it starts to kind of shut down the last two weeks of the year. You know, just like, you know, you're wrapping up your year, you know, everyone's kind of going on their holidays, so... It, it, you know, it's it's frustrating. And like I shared shared out uh, a couple of days ago when the first news, when Chris Daniels had some information uh, about the Tequila site, you know, it's, you know, honestly, you, when you lose competition, it's not a good thing. You know, I mean, in my opinion, right? No, so you wanted Tequila to, to be viable. If not, you know, if not for the very least, it would help kind of, keep the burner on Soto to get their project done, right? So yeah. um, if you know, with no viable Tequila option, with no viable Bellevue option, there's really nothing, um, you know, pressing, you know, Hanson and uh, Coleman to get, to get this thing done. I mean, Hanson even mentioned that, um, you know, if they ever got to the end of the umbrella agreement uh, with the city, was that 2017? 
that they they might just extend mm-hmm. the agreement. So, you know, it's 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 frustrating, but you know that's part of this game, right? You know, it goes through highs, it goes through yeah. lows. You know, so that's what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you hear the beeping right now, but my my mother is on call waiting right now. Um, okay. I'm half tempted to, to I'm half tempted to answer the phone and and let everyone listen to what let everyone listen like to what a conversation with my mom is like. Uh, but <laughs> I I don't want to do that to my mom. So okay. we'll we'll just we'll just uh, keep talking here. Um, but yeah, I, one of the problems with you. with Tuck Willow. Go ahead. Let, let me ask you, how do you how do you feel? Because um, I wasn't here for the first uh, 15 minutes. How do you feel with today's news? Well, I mean, I'm a little bit bummed about it. I mean, yeah. um, because because like you, uh, what I liked about Tequila was one thing, competition, because I do think it it helps uh, move things forward on other on the other projects. Um, yeah. But for the, for another thing, uh, that's an NHL first scenario that's that's gone. And yeah, you know we don't yeah. we don't currently have an NHL first scenario at all. Um, right. Now, the caveat to that auto is we got, uh, by all accounts, even Jeff Baker says that he's expecting a vote on street vacation next month. Um, when that happens, that's really the last major hurdle for Hanson building the arena, other than team acquisition. And um, now him and Coleman could come to an agreement. Uh, and fund the the arena basically privately, and then wait for um, the MOU financing to kick in when Hanson's able to get a team. Uh, But there's no guarantee that's going to happen. There's no guarantee they're going to come to an agreement. Um, And so, yeah, I'm I'm a little bummed. I'll be honest with you. I I was really hoping that uh, Tequila would get to the finish line. And uh, I, I really believed that it would. Um, but you know, when, when he lost that investor back in July, uh, and that's, you know, we now know that that's why he wasn't able to get the expansion application done. Um, you know, that, that was a major red flag and, you know, my, my expectations were, were lowered way down, um, on that day. Um, and now they're basically, uh, for Tequila, my, my expectations is that it's basically dead. And um, you know, it, it it's one less option on the table. And right. uh, but fortunately, Soda's still there. It's almost shovel ready. Uh, we need either and we'll we'll just need either an NBA team, or we'll need uh, some kind of agreement between Hanson and Coleman uh, to right. get this thing done. To get so, this thing Paul, done. And yeah, Paul. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but not this previous piece by Baker, but the previous. Um, the previous piece by Baker, did he mention something that um, Coleman's associate uh, said that they wanted to wait until all the, you know, until the the city's on board, the council, the fi- everything's done in regards to the street vacation before they, before they kind of made a move in regards to, you yeah, know, maybe ba- like getting Baker, some sort of A week or so ago, I can't remember exactly everything. So many things have happened. <laughs> I can't remember right. exactly when, but it was in the, it was in the last couple of weeks when Jeff Baker reported that he had talked to, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was um, part of Victor Coleman's team. Um, right. He was he was basically Coleman's go-to guy in the search for the arena. And what this guy had told Baker 
was that he uh, Coleman wanted to see if the city council approves street vacation before he signs on to anything. Okay, you know, so okay. that in itself tells me that something could happen. Um, but yeah, but that doesn't mean it will happen. You know what I mean? That's true. But, you know, we don't know uh, how close to a deal they are at all. Right. Honestly. And but if um, maybe you know, I, I would imagine that the, the vote, assuming it's approved, um, I imagine that it, it will at least ignite talks again right. between yeah. Hanson and, and Coleman. And so, you know, that's what we're going to have to hope for, or we're going to have to hope that Adam Silver uh, pulls an NHL or an NBA franchise out of his butt and hands it to Seattle. Um, right. You know, and I'm not going to say that won't happen, um, that, you know, because there's, uh, you know, you just never know when a team's going to come up for sale. Um, as a matter of fact, the Philadelphia 76ers came up for or it sounds like they're about to come up for sale uh, soon. But they, you huh. know, they're not going to be a team that can be moved. No. Uh, yeah. Because they're not going to be in Philly. But, you know, I, I wrote about this earlier in the week that, um, you know, I didn't know Philly was going to be for sale two days ago. Um, I didn't know the Clippers were, were going to be for sale until uh, Donald Sterling worked his racist magic. You know, you never know when a team's going to come up for sale. And there could be one that that is movable that comes up for sale. Um, yeah. You know, and um, will will Adam if that doesn't happen, will Adam Silver look at the look at the deadline for the MOU and say, okay, this expires in 2017. If we really want to be in Seattle, uh, we have to do something now. And will that be what it takes to get the NBA to award team, a Seattle team? Um, mm-hmm. Is that deadline? I don't know, uh, but I'll tell you. When the date that MOU expires, if we don't have an NBA team, it's going to mean that the NBA didn't want to be here bad enough. I mean, there's no other way I can put it. And if we don't have an NHL team, it's going to be be because Hanson and Coleman were unable to come to an agreement. Because I I know the NHL wants to be here. But I don't know how bad the NBA wants to be here yet. Yeah, I mean, like, Daly, uh, the vice president of AHL, briefly just came out and said, like, you know, once we have something credible, you know, something concrete in regards to the arena, then, then you know, that's something we're going to pursue. So we know, um, you know, at least at least for one, one, one of the winners for us, we know what their feeling is, you know, maybe, publicly yeah. at least. You know, maybe the NBA, maybe not publicly, maybe, you know, Back, you know, the back channels. There's there's discussions going on, but publicly, at least, um, you know, I haven't seen anything come out from Silver or any of his representatives in regards to yeah, every public statement. Yeah, every public statement from the NBA regarding Seattle has been, yeah, we'd love to be there someday, but we don't have a team right now. Uh, we're not encouraging people to relocate, to relocate, and expansion is not on the immediate horizon. Now, I, you know, the theory goes that um, the league is trying to avoid a labor lockout with the players, um, and they're in, they're in negotiations with the player on a new CBA right now. Um, mm. uh, because Well, because of the added revenues that they got from the TV deal, the players want a bigger piece, right? So um, mm-hmm. they, in fact, they hired a new, a new president, Michelle Roberts, and she sounds like she's uh, quite the attorney 
uh, with a killer instinct and all that. And so she's not going to just take whatever the NBA gives. She's going to press him for it. And so right, right now the NBA is trying to avoid a lockout in 2017. Um, if they are thinking about expansion, uh, no one thinks it's going to happen um, until that's resolved. You know what I'm saying? So the, there's no way we're going to get an expansion an announcement unless that lockout is avoided. Uh, right. You know, so, you know, best case scenario, maybe they come to a deal uh, before the season's over, and then in the summer they can say, all right, let's talk about Seattle now. Um, but until that happens, Seattle's just not going to officially come up in a public way. It's just, just not right. going to happen. So. Unless it's, unless a relocation opportunity pops up, which we we just don't know. But that's kind of where we're at. It, it's a bummer, Otto. Um, you know, if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest, there's there's no guarantee that Seattle's going to get either one of these leagues right now. <laughs> I know. You know, it, you know, it's, it's, I, I hate to say it, but crazy. it's true. We don't know. Yeah, it's it's crazy that like we've been, you know, especially if you're a Sonics fan, we've been kind of like dealing dealing with this for. For years, I mean, it's it, you know, it's it's just been so long. <laughs> I don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Well, man. I I started paying attention to it um, pretty much in 2008 because you know I I never really expected the Sonics to leave, and then by the time I started realizing, I'm like, oh my god, this could actually happen that's when I finally started paying attention to it and it was too late at that point. And so, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been devoting significant amounts of time in my life since 2008. Of course, there was a few years where there was essentially nothing happening at all. Uh, right. You know, if you look at uh, the last, um, when, when Hanson come forward, early 2012, you know, we, we've been doing this for three, almost four years talking about the Soto Arena. And it's finally about to get to that final approval stage, uh, but we're just waiting for... um, We're just waiting for the street vacation vote. Uh, And then after that, we're either waiting for the NBA or we're waiting for an NHL first modification to the MOU of some kind. So that's where we're at. Otto, I think... We're, we're, We're near the end. Yeah, we're of near this the end. process of the MOU process. Yeah. So. yeah, I believe that Debbie Chin is now on the line. Okay. Um, and I think I'm just going to go straight to her. Okay. Okay. Um, Debbie, are you there? Yep. Hi. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So um, a few weeks back, um, we have a beat writer for the Washington Huskies Hockey Club, and he did a story where he said, you were the first female goalie for the Washington Huskies to start a game, and you you not only started the game, but you won the game. And so when I heard about that, I wanted to get you on the line because um, people that break barriers uh, interest me, and I wanted to find out more about you. Um, so one of the first things, things I want to ask you, Debbie, is um, how did you get involved with hockey? I mean, it's, a, it's traditionally a male sport. What got you involved with the sport? 
Um, when I was pretty young, uh, I have an older brother, so uh, my parents wanted my <clears> older brother to play hockey, and they started me on figure skating. And then uh-huh. I thought it was pretty boring, so I kind of, like, begged my parents to let me try hockey. And then uh-huh. after that, I kind of started playing hockey. With and my so, so, and they let you, obviously. And so about how young yeah. you, were you at that were you at that point? Um, I was around third grade or fourth grade in elementary school. Okay, so you've been you've been playing hockey since for that long. Yeah. Um When you're growing when you're growing up, were you always? Uh, did they have uh, female leagues when you're growing up, or were you part of um, co-ed leagues? Uh, I was in. And all guys team because there are rarely any girls playing in Asia. There were some girls when I was back in Taiwan, but when I moved to China in uh, fourth grade, it was an all guys team, and I never played okay. with any other girls until uh, high school when I went to Canada. Okay, so you grew up in China. I did, yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Um, and so, not many gr- not many girls teams in China. Uh, what was how did the other players accept you when you were growing up? Um, uh, how did how did the boys react to having a girl on the team? Well, um, since I was a goalie, there were only a few people playing goalie, so I think goalie as a position was quite rare in China, at least. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I was the only goalie on the team. So, so they thought I'm you were not great. sure. They, I think they were pretty all right with me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, so how long? You said you moved to Canada. How long ago did you move to Canada? Um, in grade, wait, in the summer after grade nine. So like in the summer between grade nine and grade ten. Uh, okay. I couldn't like all the people playing hockey at my age were slowly like stopping because they had to focus on academics. So uh, I went to a hockey camp in PEI, Prince Edward Island in Canada. And there was a showcase okay. camp, so then I played in that. And then uh, in high school in Canada, I was like, oh, you should come play in our school. So then I went to a boarding school in grade 10 in Canada for hockey, yeah. Okay. And can is it a safe assumption that there were more girl players in Canada than there were in China? Yeah. There were uh, two girls team, actually. And then I played on the junior varsity team for two years, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so uh, earlier this season, uh, you you played for uh, – you, you started your first game for the Husky squad. Have you started any more games since then? Uh, not so far because uh, all the games were kind of intense, I guess. And I think I still need to work on improving myself because I'm not really used to playing with – males again since I've been playing at uh kind of with the girls for a long time. Right. Yeah. Right. And I have to like change up my okay. Yeah. Okay. But but you, you took the ice that night and you got the win. So that how did that feel uh getting being the first female goalie to win a game for the Huskies? I think I was actually pretty happy because it was kind of a big step for me towards improving uh-huh. my skill and everything. And I always thought um, playing with a team full of guys would be kind of 
it would be quite challenging, and I think it was a really great experience to actually start a game and get the feel for the game after a long while. Right, right. And so, you know, you've already told me that you feel like you need to, to work on the on your game a little bit more. Uh, what do you think you need to do to to make yourself, put yourself in position to be a more regular contributor contributor for the team? I guess just trying to um, move out of the net more because I'm quite short compared to all the other guys on the team, so I can't cover much of the net if I use my original position when I play with girls. And since guys are much faster, I think I need to work more on moving across the crease and stuff. Okay, okay. Um, all right, and so how how have the how have the how have your teammates reacted to you? Um, were they happy happy for you when you got the win? Yeah, they were all very happy, and they were chanting in the locker room. And I guess they're they've been really supportive throughout and always cheering me on. So okay, it's great to work with my teammates. Yeah, right. And and so right now. Um, Husky hockey is is kind of considered to be a club. Uh, it, it's not Division One in the NCAA or anything like that. But there there is a movement afoot to take take the program to Division One. Uh, how do you feel about that that movement? And do you feel like you could make the jump if they they did go to Division One? I think that is a pretty great movement because. When I was playing with my team, I thought we were pretty good. We have a certain level of skill, and making the club hockey into an actual program would be a great improvement. Mm -hmm. So, like, people can take us seriously and more people can come out and support. And I think um, probably after, say, a year or two years of practice with an all-guys team, I can – I have faith that I have – the ability to reach that level to okay. become a regular so you, starter. You think, yeah. you, you think you could play Division One? It would a couple years work. I think I could if I try. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Hopefully. That's right. Now, how many more years of college do you have? Uh, I'm a freshman this year, so I have three more, okay. inclu- uh, not including this year. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've got so you've got the time to work on your game, and you know. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're determined, and it sounds like the team is supportive of you. So I, I really hope uh, that you're able to, to develop your game to the point where, if the school does does go Division One, uh, you'd be able to make that leap. Um, now, there is—I think this year is the first season of this—but there, there's a new league called the National Women's Hockey League, or the NWHL. Um, is that something that you would aspire to play in someday? The NWHL. Uh, I think it has crossed my mind before, and it sounds pretty amazing. But um, I think a sports career, like sports as a career, for me is not really tangible at this moment because I don't think I'm at that level. Okay, so the, like, we come back to, yeah. the two, to to the couple years of development. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you're you're a freshman, so nobody really knows how good they're going to be when they're a freshman. So, um, you know, I, I think if you if you work hard and 
Um, you you work alongside the other players. I, I think you develop yourself to that point. Um, so just in general, I've I've heard people say that. In fact, my my friend Chris Myros told me told me this the other day. Um, he thinks that someday in the NHL there could be a female goalie. Um, what what would your thoughts be on that? Do you think it's possible for for a female to actually crack an NHL roster as a goalie? I think that is very possible because I've seen a lot of other female goalies across the world that are actually pretty good, and some of them are even better than some of the really good male goalies that I know. And I think that would be okay. a great start for girls to start playing in the NHL. Right. Do you think that they could they could also make NHL teams at other positions someday? I think they could. I think it would okay. be a great chal- greater challenge for women to actually break that barrier, but I think it's possible. Okay. Great. Uh Otto, did you have any questions for Debbie? Hey Debbie, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. So um has there been has there been any any talk at Washington maybe building maybe like a, a women's club team there or 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 something like that? Um, I'm not entirely sure because uh, I don't think a lot of like not a lot of people know we actually have a hockey team. Right. And like I've been stopped like many times with my goalie year walking back towards my dorm saying, like, oh, you play hockey? Oh, there's a hockey team that you dub? And they actually have no idea. So I think there might possibly be one, but uh, I'm not quite sure. Right. Have, um, has the, I'm not sure how, like, recruiting works for club uh, hockey, but have, have they asked you maybe to reach out to other uh, interested um women goalies that or women hockey players that might want to come to you that? Uh not so far, but we've been asked to uh if we have any friends or like any people we know that are interested in coming to UW and play hockey and to give them uh, our coaches contact details. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. No, that I mean that would be great to see, you know, more more women pick up the sport and, and you know, playing in a kind of a male-dominated, male-dominated team. Um, yeah. Just to follow up to what Paul asked about, you know, the the National Women's Hockey League. Um, do you know? Are there any um, college uh, women's hockey teams in the West, or, or are they all just centered in, in the East for the most part? Uh, I'm not quite sure because <laughs> I'm not native to the state. And I only heard about uh, the UW hockey team after I kind of searched up because I knew I was coming to UW and I wanted to see if there were any hockey teams on campus and if not, like, teams off campus. And then I found the club team. Yeah. Very cool. No, man, that's – you know, your story is a great story and and I wish you uh, much success for the next uh, three years playing hockey. Thank you. I'm going to throw it back to Paul. All right. Well, Debbie, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And uh, when when does your season crank back up? I, I know you guys are kind of on a hiatus right now, aren't you? 
Yeah, um, we have winter break, so we don't have any games over the break. But I believe we okay. have uh, our game. Our next game should be in the middle of January. Well, in the beginning of January. January, actually. Begin, January beginning of January. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, Debbie, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I want to wish you luck uh, with the rest of your of your schooling and uh, with the attempt to develop your game to the point where you could you could do even better things. And so, I want to congratulate you on what you've already done, and I want to thank you for com- for coming on. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. All thank right. you. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye, Debbie. Bye. That was that that was Debbie Chin, uh, who is a goalie for the Washington Huskies hockey club. And we're gonna take a quick break and when Otto and I come back, we're gonna wrap this whole thing up. The Paris State Bulldogs beat the University of Michigan Wolverines. The Paris State University Bulldogs defeat the Michigan State University Spartans four to one. And the Bulldogs win eight to one over the Ohio State Bulldogs. Paris State hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. Includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to FairStateBulldogs.com. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains. $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but but screen printed in Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! I am your host, Paul Rogers, and my co-host still with me is Otto Rogers. Um, and so Otto, I, I really like her. Uh, I, I like what she's doing. Um, and, I, you know, it can't be easy for her to uh, try to play in an all-meal world like she's doing. Um, so I, I really hope that she's able to develop her, her game to the point where she can, um, you know, especially if that team goes Division One to where she can be right. a regular contributor, regular contributor. No, it's, it's definitely a great story, man. I mean, uh, kind of seeing kind of breaking that barrier a little bit. I, I mean, I know there's, there's women, women hockey teams out there, but um, to have her playing with, you know, with, with other guys and stuff on a, a traditionally male uh, sport, it, it's just kind of great to see when, when someone can kind of help break that barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, so 
not really sure what else to say, Otto. I think, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe if the news from Tequila is just bumming me out and I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe if I'm just tired. Or, But uh, it, it feels like we're at the end of the show. <laughs> So it does, it kind of does feel that way, doesn't it? So you know what we yeah. we can regroup and hit it hard again next week. Yeah, that's what we'll that's what we'll do. Um, and, you know, I messaged. Um, you know, I told Chris Daniels yesterday after he reported this about Tequila, um, and I I asked him, could you maybe report some more positive Tequila news next time? Can't do that. <laughs> Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, obviously Chris Daniels is not in the business of, of manufacturing news, um, and so what he reports, uh, we know that uh, he gets multiple sources on. He reports from all angles, uh, and he reports whether it's good or bad. So right. um, that's one of the things. That's one we need people like that. Uh, we we need do good reporters, and. Uh, we don't want people. Someone that's just going to tell us what we want to hear. Well, I I do want that sometimes, but I, I, I really I, don't. I, I want someone to tell me NHL's coming. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll send him a message saying, could could the next report you make be that the NHL is actually coming? And yeah, I'm sure that funny. they'll answer no <laughs> to that one. <laughs> no, Paul. <laughs> no, Paul. No, Paul. Yeah. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of uh, this podcast. And Otto, I want to thank you once again for coming on. And thank you, Sarah. I want to thank everyone. Want to thank uh, Debbie Chen for coming on. And for the rest of you who listen to our show, you're the reason we do this. So thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys on the flip side. Thanks for sitting in the Sin Bin with your hosts, Paul Rogers and Otto Rogers.